0: The Coonhound Collective podcast is brought to you by CZ Welding and Custom Dog Boxes. Dog boxes built by hunters for hunters. Check these guys out today. This is your host Jason Snureau, and I will be your guide as we journey down the road to pleasure hunt or hitting the long trail to those great cop hunts. This is the Coonhound Collective podcast. <laughs> All right, guys, today on the Coonhound Collective podcast, we're going to be talking to a guy that I've seen some posts that he put on Facebook with some amazing stories, uh, stories that what our sport is truly about. Brett Stevens uh, actually screenshotted a picture of it, sent it to me. He said, man, you need to check this out and went over there and Read two or three stories that he's had on there. How he got into coon hunting, how he helped a young boy get into to hunting and coon hunting, and uh, it's just just amazing, amazing stories. So stand by, we're going to get him on the phone. All right, welcome to the Coonhound Collective podcast today. Today I'm joined by Mr. Charles Pudell. Charles, how's it going?
1: It's going pretty good. How about you, sir?
0: Oh, I I can't complain. Um, why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of, kind of your background and, and where you're from.
1: Okay. I grew up in, uh, Southern Michigan, born in, uh, 68, uh, graduated high school in 87, uh, had a real strong desire as a kid to hunt, fish, own dogs, do about anything outdoors. Just didn't really have an opportunity to do much of that. Had a grandfather I fished with a little bit. My mom and her husband probably did more fishing with them than anybody. And then me and one of my brothers, uh, well, both of them, um, spent a fair amount of time running around the woods with BB guns and pellet rifles and all that. Um, By the time I was about 14, uh, I played football, wrestled, uh, did sports, but pretty solid that I wanted to uh, join the Army, not just join, I wanted to serve uh, somewhere within the special ops community. So straight out of high school, uh, came down to Fort Benning in 87, uh, did basic training, infantry training, airborne school, and then went to the ranger indoctrination program. Um, hated this place personally, the Fort Benning area, wasn't, uh, wasn't too fond of it, bunch of big skinny pine trees and bugs. Um, the off post was horrible back then, nothing but establishments for drinking and all that. And I grew up with a strong uh fundamental Christian background, and I was not a drinker, so it didn't, didn't fit in real good there. But I got into the uh, 3rd Ranger Battalion, uh, like that aspect, and once I got in there, with not having a whole lot to do, um, started fishing. Had a uh, roommate that was from North Georgia that had done some tournament bass fishing, and uh, we bought a little John boat, or he bought a John boat. We started fishing in that about every chance we could get. 89, um, I completed the Army Ranger School or I got back, I had a Kansas boy in my squad uh, named Shannon McKinney, and he said, "Chuck, get a get a deer rifle. We're gonna start deer hunt." So I started deer hunting the post, and absolutely loved uh, deer hunting. Uh, about any any sort of hunting I enjoyed. Um, and our deer hunting season got cut short because of uh, Operation Just Cause, the invasion of Panama. We jumped in and and fought there. Uh, when Panama during Panama, my roommate, uh, David Reeves got shot three times and, uh, ended up getting out of the army, He survived it, but he called me up and said, Hey, come get this John boat. It's yours. So he gave me the, uh, the John boat he had and ended up meeting my wife. Not much after that. We spent most of our time fishing on the Chattahoochee river, uh, continued deer hunting. And then her dad was a avid, uh, deer hunter, but hunted with hounds and, uh, when I got, the Army gave me a scholarship to uh, stop being enlisted to get out and go through college ROTC so I could come back in as an officer, and those three college years, I hunted and fished a lot, Uh, but being my father-in-law was in a deer club, I ended up getting up a little pack of uh, walkers and running walkers, and started, that was my first real experience of having uh, hunting dogs.
0: Okay, well... Before we go any further, let me first off say thank you for for serving our country and for for serving us, keeping us protected. We we really appreciate that and and hold that high honor here uh, with the Coonhound Collective and me and my family. Well, thanks, sir. <clears throat> um, so you got that that pack of dogs to deer hunt with there. Um, how, how did that develop into moving over into to Coonhounds uh, at some point?
1: Well. You read the story I wrote on the uh, Facebook there, so I'll just tell it kind of quick. I, I was working construction, and I don't remember exactly why I was walking, but I lived in a very poor part of Phoenix City. On one side of me, I had the projects. On the other side was the little shotgun houses, uh, folks that had you know worked in the mills, poor on both sides. But I was walking through Riverview Apartments, um, which uh, is the projects, there was a group of boys over in a grass area throwing a football around. And one of them looked over about 10 year old boy and said, Hey, ain't you the hound dog man, which kind of surprised me. Cause nobody called me hound dog, man. Everybody down in that area called me fish, man. I caught so many crappy and catfish back then that I would pull up into the projects and give them away uh, the ones that I wasn't keeping. So when people saw my truck, they'd say, Hey fish, man. But I kind of laughed and said, well, I don't know if I'm the hound dog man, but I got a few hounds. And he said, can I see them?" I said, sure. So him and a group of boys followed me down to the house. I lived in a little quadruplex, but I had a fairly big backyard. I just had some 55-gallon drums with uh, my dogs tied to stakes, and uh, he was just very interested in dogs. And uh, we threw a football around a bit and talked. And he ended up leaving. And then a couple of days later, he came back down with a few more of those boys. And he started making kind of a regular pattern. But his name was Irvin. He would keep coming down, and then uh, little by little, just be him. I had a uh, litter of puppies that a fox dog and a running walker a tree and walker had had mixed mixed puppies and they started just ended up missing which i didn't care because i was trying to get rid of them anyway but kids were stealing them and Irvin to go out and liberate them and bring them back to me but we pulled into the drive one day i looked out back and i saw him he saw me he took off running through like a little patch of woods i was like, oh what the heck's urban urban doing it ain't like he would do anything wrong to leave he was doing, it. he would sneak over get a five-gallon bucket and a shovel and scoop up the dog mess for me. he had been doing that for a while. I was kind of wondering why there was no mess to clean up for my dogs. But uh, as summer went on or time went on, we started, uh, I met his mom. And uh, he was just an outstanding young man, very well-behaved, um, just courteous. He would never ask you for anything. Um, You could even you know offer, you know, if we stopped by a store or something, he just generally uh, always wanted to earn his own way. But we started fishing, and once we started fishing, I started teaching him some marksmanship with uh, pellet rifle, and then I switched him over to a 22. And he just anything that had to do with fishing, hunting, guns, four-wheel drive trucks, he ate it up. And uh, so I ended up he's like, you know what? I'm going to let him uh, deer hunting with me. And I told my father-in-law, as deer season was getting close, said, Hey, uh, and he'd met Urban and Irvin would go down to his house and you know help him with chores in the yard and garden and all that and they liked Irvin, but I said, he's going to hunt with us, and my father-in-law, you know, he was Korean War vet, a bit older, and he said, well, you you can't do that, and I said, well, well, why not? He said, well, you grew up in Michigan. This is Alabama. You know, things are a little different down here, and, you know, black people got their own clubs where they hunt rabbit beagles, and we've got our own clubs, and, you know, some of us bird hunt, some of us deer hunt. He said, but we, you know, at the end of the season, we might hunt each other's land, and he said, we might even drink a little whiskey, but we don't, uh, we don't join each other's clubs. I said, well, it'll be fine. He'll hunt with me. But we ended up opening day. I'll never forget it. We went down to the hunting club, watermelon Creek hunting camp down in Pittsview, Alabama. And Irvin was wandering around and looking at all the four wheel drive trucks and examining the hounds. And I kind of thought about it because a few men kind of looked at him a little odd. And I said, I better have a talk with him. So if somebody says something out of the way, he doesn't get his feelings hurt. So I pulled him off to the side. I said, uh, let's have a quick talk, Irvin. And he said, what about? I said, well, look around down here. He looked around. I said, you, you see anything different about you and everybody else? He said, no. I said, look real close. He said, ah. Oh. I said, what's that? He said, uh, everybody's got a 12 gauge and I'm the only one down here with a 20 gauge. And I about laughed. And I said, uh, yep, that's it. If anybody gives you any grief about it, you come tell me and uh, let me take care of it. He's okay. We, uh, we didn't hunt, but a couple weeks down there, it got where we could pull into the camp. He'd jump off my truck, jump in the back of somebody else's. I may not see him till mid-afternoon. They treated him as well as any kid in the program or any other other any other man down there. And he, he earned the respect and they gave it to him. But that's, uh, that's kind of how we, me and Irvin, got hooked up. But towards the end of the year, uh, I don't know, just that deer hunting with dogs got a little bit aggravating because you lose your dogs. Some of the people that aren't dogmen don't really care about catching your hounds. You spend tankfuls of gas looking for them you know, after the hunt when they get out. And uh, Irvin came to me. and he said, hey, Charlie. I said, yeah. He said, uh, I've been thinking. He said, uh, we should coon hunt. I don't know where the heck he got coon hunt from. And I said, uh, why should we coon hunt? He said, well, then we can hunt year round. And uh, we don't have to just hunt during deer season. And so I started thinking on it. And I knew absolutely nothing of, uh, of coon hunting, but I looked in the newspaper and in the want ads found a $200 blue tick. And I don't remember, I don't think I bought the dog, I traded the man. He's a local, he was a nice fella, a man that had been a real deal coon hunter in his day, um, injured uh, during Vietnam, and he kind of become had a bad back injury, become a more of a dog jockey. But I got that blue tick and we knew nothing. We didn't have a tracking system. We didn't have a squalor. We didn't have coon hunting lights. We didn't have waiters. It was just me and Irvin out there in the middle of Fort Benning turning a dog loose and then taking off and following it. And how we didn't get snake bit or anything else eaten by gators, I don't know. But we followed that dog all over creation. It ran armadillos and fox and possums and I don't know what else. But it treed a few times. We never found nothing. We went and got a few more of those uh, dogs and tried them out and it's all about the same and it took us a, a month or so and we kind of gave up on the coon hunt and decided uh, decided we didn't know what we were doing with coon hounds
0: yeah well that is uh and I, I really wanted to have you on to to share that story among many others that i'm sure you have and some others that i've read um but that 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 story to me is the embodiment of coon hunting um you know, nothing, the, the, the color of their skin doesn't matter. It, it's just about being out there in the outdoors enjoying it with people of, you know, all different races and backgrounds and, and cultures. And, and when I read that story, you know, my, my buddy, Brett Stevens, uh, screenshot it to me and said, you've got to go, you've you got to go read this. And, um, so I went over and read it and I was like, man, this, this is it this this is this is coon hunting this is what it's about this is this is hunting in general not just coon hunting this is hunting in general you know bringing bringing people together from all walks of life and it was just just an impactful story to me and and to him and to i'm sure many others that have that have read that hey guys this is jason over at the coon hound collective podcast is your dog box starting to get war maybe it's starting to get a little crack like mine is Maybe you've just been thinking about it's time to upgrade to a to a new box but you've asked your buddies and you're just not real sure what direction to go in. Well, let me help you out here. Go check my friends out at CZ Welding and Fabrication, custom doll boxes and aluminum products on Facebook. You can check out all their custom work they do there and their designs that they do. If you don't see something that you don't exactly like there, reach out to Nathan at 540 540- 810-5439-540-810-5439 or send him a message through the Facebook page. I bet he can fix you up. Don't wait till fall to get that new dog box. Go ahead, get that dog box now. Get you, uh, get you something looking good in the back of your truck that that you can be proud of and that you can haul your dog around in comfort. Check my friends out at CZ Welding and Fabrication. You won't go wrong. Dog box is built by hunters four hunters get yours today cz welding and fabrication
1: it was interesting too because i don't know when i was you know i was in my pretty early 20s and mid 20s and uh when we started really coon hunting and uh you know i learned about coon bloodlines and this is you know, i tell how i met bobby phillips in a minute but I would call, find a dog, you know, maybe Mississippi, you know, North Georgia or North Alabama, and want to try it out. When I would talk, people would think I was older. I guess they'd assume I was 40 years old or something. So I'd drive somewhere, and you get out of the truck, and, you know, I was young, so they weren't expecting a young guy. And then you are got a 10, 11-year-old African-American kid with you, and they would just kind of have a strange look. You wouldn't say nothing. I never went anywhere with Irvin, didn't hunt, that afterwards, whether they talk to you on the phone, they'd say, where in the world did you meet that kid? I was like, he'd live down the road from me. Like, wow, you got a gold mine right there, because that kid hunts like a grown man. Um, like, he can be waist deep in mud, it can be two in the morning, he'll handle, he'll tote the coon, he'll handle dogs. It wasn't like hunting with a kid, it was literally like hunting with a, like an adult. He was just mature for his age and had a lot of grit to him.
0: Yeah, and you know that's uh, again that that's just what our sports about. You know, it's you find you a hunting partner like that, somebody that you can depend on, somebody that that will go out there and spend the time with you, and you know they you you don't just give them anything; they they earn it. They go out there and earn yep. it, and that's that's part of it. That's true. Well, won't you uh go ahead? Because I think we're right on the cusp of you talking about how you met Bobby Phillips and kind of tell us, tell us that story. I read that on, uh, on Facebook. And again, there's another phenomenal, phenomenal story.
1: So I got out of that. I was been out. I got commissioned as an officer, um, done my five years enlisted, went to college uh, ROTC for three years, ended up uh, got commissioned, had been out in the field training. I was in the infantry officer basic course, hadn't hardly slept in a week. And but it was, believe, open week in a deer season, or it was my first chance to go. Uh, So I went out, you know, wanted to do some still hunting because the season comes in in Georgia before Bama, and I hunted both because I live on the border. So I got up in a. My technique was I'd get as high in a pine tree as you could. I got up there and I fell asleep, and I woke up and I mean it was jet black. It was dark, and uh, I was like, "Hmm," I'm just. I actually contemplated sitting there till the sun came up and hunting the next morning but I was sitting there and it was dark. I was kind of just listening and way off in the distance, I heard, oh, and I thought, gum what a coyote. And, uh, which I knew hound dogs. It just, I don't know, wasn't expecting a hound that time of night. And I heard it again. I was like, that's not a coyote, that's a hound dog. And uh, I was like, who in the world would have hounds out here? And uh, I was like, it's gotta be a coon hunter. And I heard a squealy your mouth. Uh, female dog open up behind it and i started hearing them work track and uh i was like i gotta find out who this is so i shimmy down that tree ran to my truck and i uh, got up on blue ridge road dirt road and i drive a couple hundred yards and uh stop and listen out the window and i could hear him still working i did that for about a mile and them two jokers locked it down and uh, i mean they went to hammer and the blue dog that he was hunting I mean, he had a big old powerful mouth and he he treed with kind of a ball and chop on the tree and he was just hammering so I found a little little tank trail kind of going down towards them and uh, followed it down and there sat a little Chevy s10 little white truck with a dog box um, tailgate down I was "Oh, there's my coon hunter so I got out they had already taken off through the woods I could see their lights out of ways and i heard them shoot the coon out and they were coming back towards me but they were kind of going off kilter they weren't coming really towards their truck so i jumped up on the tailgate and i yelled hey your truck's over here and the light shut out and it went quiet i sat there for a while and didn't hear nothing and then directly i could hear some something rustling through the woods and it was kind of a distance where the woods uh, started i see a face pop out uh, from the trees and look he said who the hell are you and I said, well, my name's Chuck Goodell. I heard your hound dogs and your, your coon dogs. I wanted to see them. And uh, this is like I had wrote this was before uh, Bobby's church going days and kind of did a little cuss. And he's like, I threw down my rifle. I threw down my raccoon. He said, I thought you was the MPs and uh, the military police, which he was legally hunting. I guess it just startled them that they didn't expect somebody to be at their truck when they're coming back. And uh, so I said, I'll go help you find them. So I grabbed a handheld flashlight out of my truck and uh, off through the woods, we went and we found his rifle and his coon. He had his son, Brad, who's like a brother to me. Um, And then uh, another fellow wasn't too crazy about, we didn't hunt with him much anymore. But uh, we came back out and he just, I don't know, Bobby's kind of looking at me strange, like, who the heck is this guy out in the middle of the woods at night chasing me down? And he asked me, he said, are you a coon hunter? I said, well, kind of. He's like, well, me kind of. He said, you have a dogs? I said, I got a few. And he said, well, where'd you get them from? I said, Joe Bellflower. He laughed. He said, you ain't got dogs. You got crap eaters. Worded a little different, but, um, and I said, yeah, that's about the size of it. And he said, do you want to go coon hunting? I said, yeah, I'd like to go coon hunting. So he pulled a little notepad out of his truck and wrote my my name down. And uh, I never forget, I went home. I said, I met a real coon hunter. He's going to, take me coon hunting my wife said ain't nobody gonna take you coon he probably thought you're crazy out there in the middle of the woods chasing him down but it was a couple nights later he uh, called me up and i said you still want to coon And i said i do so we met up on victor drive right outside of fort benning and i jumped in his truck with him i knew of a pretty good little creek where it runs between two uh two railroad tracks and uh we went uh, went there turned them loose and i took off to go with the dogs like i was mine He's like, what the heck are you doing I said, go on the dogs. He said, son, you don't go with them dogs. He said, You'll kill yourself trying to keep up with them. He said, they're gonna get a mile through them woods before you know it. He said, You stand up here and he said, well, We're gonna listen to them. We're gonna listen to work the track. When they get treed, he said, we may have have to drive, you know, around just to be able to hear them. He said, when we get treed, we'll uh we'll walk on into them. Think, uh, they went four or five hundred yards down the creek and they struck and they, they treed. And uh, I said, you know, the quickest way right here is to walk these railroad tracks and cut in so we we got to going down the railroad tracks and all of a sudden bobby went to cuss in a blue streak again i said what's the matter and he said well I, I keep my 22 shells in a in a medicine bottle and uh he said i filled it up and i left it on the counter he said i won't be able to shoot the coon out i said "Well, that's no problem i'll just climb the tree and, and knock him out and he laughed he said son you ain't seen the size of trees coons go up i said yeah and you ain't seen me climb and I could tell he thought I was a little bit cocky, which I was. And uh, so we got in there and doggone if they didn't tree in a tree the size of a Volkswagen. And he found a coon, which always, Bobby's ability to find coons was always amazing to me. But uh, he found the coon. I was pretty impressed just watching these dogs work because I'd never seen nothing like that before. And uh, I looked at the tree. I was like, man, there ain't a limb for 20 feet up. But there was an adjacent tree that went up in there and there was some limbs hanging down no one big around as your fingers and i said shine up in those limbs and i jumped up and grabbed two handfuls and like a monkey hand over hand like climbing a rope went straight up in that tree got over in the other tree and uh chased the coon up and knocked it out i got down he said i've seen men climb trees and knock a coon out he said i ain't never seen anybody do that and he kind of laughed and i don't know probably next uh Two, three months, we were hunting just about every night. Uh, I'll never forget, we had hunted a couple months. And uh, Bobby said, Chuck, he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, "Uh, when I first met you, he said, most people that grow up around here, he said, two things they generally don't care for, soldiers from Fort Benning and Yankees. He said, doggone if you ain't both. And he said, and I still like you.
2: Are you tired of whipping, scolding, and shocking to make them get alone? Is your buddy tired of helping you set your dog up for correction night after night? Do you really want your dog to be alone because you forced him to be? Or would you rather him be alone because he wants to be? Grand Night Champion Small Town Lone Survivor is the product of over 25 years of strong natural born independent traits. This bold trait has been passed down from generation to generation and is showing up in Loner Offspring today. Loner is a direct son of Hall of Fame Grand Night Champion Cabin Creek Rowdy and Grand Night Champion Lonesome Dove Lori. Loner has a booming mouth that is talked about in every cast he has been in, including the 2021 World Hunt Finals. Loner is a no-reverse, ball mouth open trailer who ends it plussed up with a huge dying locate and steady chop. Loner loves getting split and is a stay-put gun-pressure tree dog. Loner's intelligence is also impressive. He knows over 12 voice and hand signal commands. Loner has a character that loves like Jesus, but he doesn't walk on water. If you're interested in breeding to Loner, contact Brett Stevens at Small Town English Kennels at 417-300-3777 or find him on Facebook.
0: If you're interested in running a stud ad for your dog here on the Coonhound Collective podcast, reach out to us at thecoonhoundcollective at gmail.com. Send us a message through Facebook or Instagram, and we'll be glad to get with you to get you an ad built and get you pricing on all of our ads.
1: But, uh, we end up, he's Bobby's best friend I've ever had in my life. I'll say he's not only is he just an absolute phenomenal human being, um, uh, just a wealth spring of knowledge he's forgotten more about coon hunting than I'll probably ever know on breeding training uh just hunting in general and he's also I don't think I've ever met anybody more honest than Bobby Bobby tells you something you can take it to the bank and he's he's like family to me his, his boys are like family to me and um but yep, that night was my first night really coon hunting and little did I know that it was going to be a big part of my life later on
0: yeah so that that kind of got you hooked there so from from that relationship being built there with with, with bobby did did that put you on the path or, or are you hunting blue dogs or did you start off hunting hunting some blue dogs and 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 did you always just pleasure hunt or are you doing some competition hunting too
1: i've done a little so to answer so bobby here's bobby's weakness and he'll tell you this bobby's colorblind um if Bobby would have picked a breed, and I believe this, if Bobby would have picked a breed and only bred, trained, and, and handled that breed, I believe he'd be as famous of a breeder as Dave Dean was with blue dogs or Fred Moran was with red dogs or whoever out there. You pick them, and I think Bobby is called by. He'll hunt anything. He's bred and raised some of the best black dogs i've seen blue dogs walkers red bones english i think he's raised about everything but plots and he's had some plots um, but bobby would tell stories about a bullet a dog named bullet a red bone he had that it was out of fred moran's uh, midnight hickory back in the I think, 70s 80s um, and to this day still says it's the best dog he's ever hunted um, people around here still talk about that dog when you talk to old coon hunters. Um, So I just, I don't know, for some reason, I took a liking to red dogs. Uh, I met a fellow named Russell Lee over in Waycross, Georgia. Me and Irvin drove over and hunted with him. And uh, he had a young dog named Dusty that was lightly started. And I convinced him to let me take him and start hunting him. So for a while, I hunted the hair off that Dusty dog. I planned on buying him or trying to buy him, and I bought a red-bone puppy um, from Russell. Uh, Russell was a pretty well-known red-bone man out of Waycross at that time. Well, I got left here and got stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. No sooner did I get there, I found out I was going to get sent to Haiti um, for that peacekeeping stuff for six months. Um, So I called Russell up and said, I'm going to have to send your red dog back to you. And I wasn't able to buy him. I said, he's ready to competition hunt now. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Copeland or, uh, yeah, Copeland's Red Hot Dusty. Won the P, uh, the Purina Points back in the early 90s. That's him. That's the first dog I ever trained uh, on my own. But uh, Russell finished him out to Grand Night and then sent him, uh, sold him to uh, Copeland there. Um, but once I got back from Haiti, uh, Russell owed me a puppy you know, because I gave him my puppy back. So I went and picked up a red puppy from him out of a dog he had named Plunger and a little walker dog, um, tough little walker dog to train him with. What I did, I just started training dogs for other people. My red male didn't turn out. I didn't really have the money then um, for a trained dog. And I don't I guess I wasn't smart enough to train my own puppy. I just started training other dogs that were lightly started and I would get them ready to compete. And then uh, Glenn Rogers, Russell Lee, uh, a couple of men, you know, just had me training dogs for them. And I was hunting 10, 20 nights in a row back then when I was uh, um, at Fort Bragg. But I stayed there for three years and then came back to Fort Benning and had two kids within a year and a half. I was still hunting with Bobby then. I didn't have any dogs in my own. I was just helping him out. And then when 9-11 happened, it just, after that, the deployment started stacking up, going uh, back and forth to Iraq and Afghanistan. So I completely got out of it, um, just quit coon hunting. When I would come back to the Fort Banning area, you know, I would leave, go somewhere, come back, leave, go somewhere, because my wife's from here. Um, I would hunt with Bobby, but I wasn't a coon hunter per se. Um, but I retired as a Lieutenant Colonel. I was a professor of military science at University of Arkansas. And uh, stayed out there for a few years and started dabbling in squirrel dogs, the little feists. Excuse me. I like that, but it wasn't the same as hounds. So me and my wife talked about it and said, let's move back to Fort Benning area and do our permanent retire here. So I got a job teaching school, came back here three years ago, uh, 2019, and just started hunting a little bit with Bobby. That lasted about three weeks. And next thing you know, I had a red bone uh, here. He didn't suit me. Had a young male out of G man, and uh, so I went on the search, and I found a. uh...
0: Hey guys, Jason at the Coonhound Collective podcast. Today I'm here to talk to you about a benefit hunt that's coming up. The State of Missouri coon hunters Association is holding the annual Shriners Children's Hospital benefit hunt on September the twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. This is a UKC sanctioned event. There will be a bench show and a night hunt there will also be a auction on the grounds at one o'clock for more information on that you can go to the Shriners Children's Hospital Benefit Stud Dog Auction and more on Facebook and check it out you can scroll down through there the winner of the bench show is going to get a CZ custom dog box the winner of the night hunt is going to get the same custom dog box there's a dog box up for auction right now over there and a ton of stud dogs. Really nice dogs. Be a good opportunity to reserve a breeding uh, for one of these dogs. Get, it, put, get your name in there. Stay on top of it make sure you win it so you can uh, get a good breeding for that good female that you got out there uh, and there's a ton more other prizes there's puppies being given away uh, some young young dogs that are being auctioned uh, a, a lot of good things coon hunters are coming together for a great cause here Help us make this hunt a large hunt here in Missouri. Help us raise some money to, to give to the Shriners Hospital. Uh, the, these guys are excited. They're, they're, all, they're really on fire here to try to make this hunt big. They're making a push here to make it. So help these guys out to uh, really make this hunt a, a big hunt. You can reach out to Larry Bourbon if you don't have Facebook. His phone number is 636 388 5420 636 388 5420, or you can also reach out to Colton Ingram and his phone number 636 249 3330. 636 249 3330. If you have something that you can auction off, get with these guys, they'll get it posted up on the page and get the auction running. Anything and everything it doesn't have to be Coon Hunter coon hunted related, get it to them. Let's help these guys raise money for a great cause here. Coon hunters always come together to help other people. This is a great cause to help people. Let's help the state of Missouri Coon Hunter Association send a big check to the Shriners Hospital. Thanks.
1: Aftershock mail down in the panhandle of Florida, Bobby bought him for me. And uh, started hunting him. He's exactly what I was looking for, and bred him to a nice female, raised a litter of puppies. So I've got a two year old female I call Dottie. She's ready to competition hunt now. Uh, I hunted the Winter Classic last year. Uh, that's about it, competition hunt. But this coming year, that is the plan. I've got a, a, a male out of Rocky, direct out of Rocky, that I'm going to title, and I'm going to title out my Dottie female. I'm going to try to get at least one of them in the tournament of champions hunt
0: this year yeah well there are definitely some some good goals to set i, I have i have some of those my, myself and i've uh, I, i've been been guilty of, of working with with young dogs and and sometimes getting frustrated with them and sending them on before i really see their potential and um you know and and used to I, I used to enjoy messing with puppies you know from from the time they were young and to the time you got them really going i used to enjoy it. but uh, it's kind of weird the older i've gotten the uh, the least the, the the less i uh i really like doing that so i try to i try to get some that's a little older that don't don't have to quite the quite the frustration to deal with
1: i think it is smarter to get a young started dog but there is something about Breeding, raising, training. Uh, I'll never forget last year. Bobby's got a little blue female named Harper. Um, Bobby used to competition hunt years ago. He's 72 now. Bobby just plays. Um, he's got nothing against competition hunting, but he's a pleasure hunter. And he's got a nice little blue female, a little blue female that would win hunts. And I was hunting my little Dottie female with her. Um, Dottie had started running and treeing well. The went in, the blue female, uh, locked up, treed, massive oak tree. We shined it. My Dottie female wouldn't tree on it. She kind of meandered around. And uh, we couldn't find the coon. Ended up going back to the truck. And I wasn't even leashing Dottie then. She just followed me back. Went to load her, and she wasn't there. I said, Bobby, where's Dottie? He said, I don't know. She was here a second ago. And I pulled out my Garmin, and she backed to the tree. And I started hollering for her. I about bumped her with a shot collar and then looked at the Garmin. She was 100 yards behind a tree. She was 200, and she was 300. Next thing you know, she's 600. Bobby's like, what's she doing? I was like, I don't know. I ain't heard her open. We drove around, and she was just silent, cold tracking. Then all of a sudden, I heard her open up. She drove a track about 300 yards and locked it down. And I mean locked. I went in, and it was her by herself with a coon in a tree. And I shot it out. And I think after that, I shot 14 out to her, hunting her all by herself. There's just something about when you've raised, bred it, raised it, trained it, and they start doing like they're supposed to. That, I don't know, probably to me, the uh, epitome of coon right there.
0: Yeah, I, I will agree with you there. I, I've got, um, I, and I, I have done that some, and, and really when I was younger, i have done that quite a bit and, and did enjoy it. But I, I do have a litter of puppies here on the ground uh, now out of my English female, and she only had three, and I've kept all three. I'm keeping all three and they're five weeks old this week and that's that's the plan with those is you know to to keep them until they're up and going and and started uh and see which ones you know that i that i i like the best but they from from this point to the <clears throat> to the time that they're doing like your dotty female running and treeing their own coon there there's there are some frustrating moments in there for sure
1: <laughs> yeah i think uh probably one of the, it's funny, one of the, I'd say them friends that you haven't actually met in person. One of the guys I've gained a lot of information on just strictly red bones is uh, Wade Coons up in uh, Pennsylvania. And he said, one of the keys is knowing when to to cut one loose, you know, because you raised it, trained it, got it. You know, you got to know when to say, yep, this one's going to make it. Nope. This one's got to go. And uh, whether it's, you know, send it on to the the deer hunters or shred the papers and let somebody have as a pet or however you call one. But that's that's that knowing what to keep and what to get rid of. And like you said, there's the other side of the coin of those people that get rid of one too quick. I did that with a blue male um, years ago in North Carolina at Joker straight out of Bobby's big blue Jason dog. um, Ended up with Wayne and Francis Wilmoth went to Grand Night Champion. That dog's still showing up in pedigrees, cold blue steel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I, uh, I used to be real bad to, you know, give up on one too quick. And I had a little black and tan here. I got as a eight week old puppy from Michael Barnes in Arkansas. And, you know, I, I hauled him around everywhere. Uh, he was obedient trained, and he, you know, started running in tree and coons with another dog around, five, five and a half months old. He was split tree in at six, six and a half months old. And I mean, he was really coming on good. And, um, this, this year, uh, at the beginning of the year, he, uh, he, he just all of a sudden turned up sick, ended up having cancer and, and passed away. And when I got him, you know, I, I committed that he was going to stay here at my house win, lose or draw until he was at least two years old. And yep. that to me, that's just, a. Uh, you know, I don't get too caught up on it. If, you know, if they're, if they're not running and freeing as young as he, he is, I don't, you know, or was, I don't, uh, I don't get too caught up in that. I don't get too worried about it. There's, there's other things that I, that I'm working on. And, you know, in that time frame, and really, I don't want to, you know, push one too hard, too quick, too young and and, and burn them out. So I can't enjoy them. I've got a, a young black and tan female that, um, you know, I've been hunting and, she just, just turned a year old and she'll, she'll run track. Good boy. She can drive a track. And when she comes on the tree, it's just like she's driving nails, but she'll just quit tree in. And then she's, you know, mulberries are on up here and she'll start circling the trees and walking on her hind legs, winning coons in the mulberry trees. And she, you, you <laughs> could just, we, we don't have a, we're, our kill season's not in yet. It don't start till August 1st. And you could just tell the frustration in her. And so I usually will not let other people hunt my dogs, but because of the frustration in her, the frustration that I could feel in me, uh, I found a guy in Arkansas that they do have a kill season and I've sent her down there for 30 days and see if he can put some coons on her. And by the time I get her back, our kill season will be about ready to to come in. And, you know, sometimes you you, got to make those hard decisions of either this dog's not for me, it needs a new address, or maybe it just needs another hand on it for a little while.
1: It makes a lot of sense.
0: Okay. So you got the, uh, you got the, the red, red dogs there and, um, you, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna start, a uh, start competition hunting hunting this year. Um, ha- have you, was there any other dogs in there? I, I know you mentioned the one blue dog, but w- was there any other breeds that, that you've had through the years?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, like in my younger day, especially when I was at Fort Bragg and I was hunting other people's dogs, I would hunt anything. But uh, Glenn Rogers was a big competition hunter um, up in uh, North Carolina. And we met, I started hunting with him. And uh, he asked, you know, the other people that I was handling dogs for, he said, how much are they paying you? Paying me? And he's like, yeah. I I think nobody ever paid me a nickel to handle a dog. And he said, really? And I was like, yeah. He said, how much equipment are they buying? I said, Nobody bought equipment. He said, what about dog feed? I said, I buy my own dog feed. He said, dude, you hunt way too hard and way too good to be doing this all for free. And uh, he pulled three $100 bills out. said, go buy you a Cajun Stinger. That was kind of the top-of-the-line belt light back then over at Godwin's. He pulled a PKC Super Steak female out of the box, and he said, she's half yours. And then he had a uh, silver champion male named Buddy. He said, Buddy's half yours. He said, start training my dogs. And uh, so I got her ready to competition hunt. Ended up, uh, once I got out of it, we sold her to Russell Lee. And I think he finished her out. She's a uh, tough little female. But I hunted probably walker dogs as much as anything back in the late 90s um, before I got out of it. Matter of fact, that was mostly what I was hunting it was just hard to find good red dogs. And I kind of gave up on it for a while and hunted mostly walkers and English.
0: Yeah. So, um, before we move on from here, we talk about a little bit about handling dogs for other people and, um, you, you know, kind of the, the, the trials of that. Cause obviously there you said that you were handling some dogs for some people and you know, you, you wasn't getting paid and then, uh, sounds like you know you got opened up to a to a new opportunity there where where you did get a little something from it at least and and and, ha- and you know owning half of the dog and you know a little money to buy some equipment and stuff and you know uh, there's a lot of young people out there that you know they 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 want to get in the sport or they've gotten a sport and maybe they don't have the dog that can really go out there and and compete and win and. They, they'd like to get into handling some dogs for, for some people. What, what is, uh, what, what kind of set you on that path to be able to do that?
1: I think uh, one, I was probably jaded a little bit in that I learned, um, I was tutored under Bobby Phillips and here's the downside of that. You're going to be hard pressed to find a coon hunter is straight up. When they tell you something, you can take it to the bank like Bobby. Um, and you know, my kind of, Saying is be like Bobby. When you tell somebody something, they got to be able to take it at the bank. Um, and if you build a reputation of just pure honesty, um, you got no problem getting dogs, moving dogs. Um, you just, and I think that's what hurts a lot of young guys. We have some very good people in our sport, but we got some straight up crooks. We got some dog jockey and skin you, um, you know, sell you something that. Supposedly he'll do whatever and you get it and it ain't even close. Uh, If you want a young guy in the sport, you know, you got to give a little to get a little. Um, Help a brother out and put a good dog in a person's hand. Uh, I got a young kid I'm working on right now. He's a big time ranked in the top of uh, Alabama high school bass fisherman. He's about burned out from bass fishing. I'm going to see if I can get him into handling hounds, teach him how to do it. Um, he's got a real competitive nature. I'd rather train him and have him hunt him than me put him in the hunts. I'll do some of the hunts, but I'd rather somebody else, uh, handle my hunts. I'd rather just train. But I think, you know, that's, that's the goal is you gotta, you gotta be honest. I'll tell a quick story. I'd been hunting, uh, dogs with Glenn Rogers. And he said, dude, you got to start competition hunting. So he told me, he said, to kind of cut your teeth, let's put you in a, uh, in a PKC hunt down around Elizabethtown, North Carolina. So there was a club down there, and went down. He paid the fees, and I had that buddy dog, which was a PKC silver champion, An outstanding, um, kind of tall, lanky walker, had a screaming mouth, uh, screaming, dying ball locate, 120 bark a minute tree dog, medium hot nose. He wouldn't run a cold track. Dog didn't have a one bad thing I could say about him. Occasionally, a couple times a year, he'd tree a possum on a bad night. Not often but what he would do so i was hunting him glenn stayed in the truck um he was the only dog that struck i struck him in and he treed and i knew as soon as he treed something wasn't right because i knew how he treed 120 bark a minute slobber mouth tree dog so he was halfway treeing. and i was like doggone he treed a possum well the cast got in there to the tree and 99 times out of 100 a possum goes up a tree not big around as your leg well this tree was massive and it had vines all over it so i was shining the tree uh, i told them shine the tree we shined all over couldn't find nothing as i ran my head uh, light down that tree about 10 feet off the ground tucked in them vines was a possum and uh i said doggone there it is i didn't say nothing and uh, we were walking back to the truck time had run out and the judge said well you'll uh you'll win that one And I said, uh, Scratch my dog. He said, What? I said, Scratch my dog. He said, What do you mean? I said, uh, Buddy, treat a possum. He goes, Well, I've treated a hundred with Buddy. He said, I knew someone, right? He goes, Where was the possum? I said, He wasn't 10 feet off the ground up in them vines. And he said, Well, why'd you tell me that? I said, If I beat you, I'm going to beat you for real. I ain't beating you with a possum. And uh, he laughed. He goes, Well, I appreciate that. So, you know, he kind of talked about that. Well, I got back to the truck and Glenn was about half asleep. And, uh, he said, buddy, didn't sound quite right. I said, no, I had a possum in the tree. And uh, he said, did them fellas see it. I said, no. He said, well, you, you won the cast then. I said, no. I told him, scratch my dog. He's like, you did what? And uh, he got mad. I mean, cussing mad. And he said, uh, let me tell you something. He said, when you go to that tree, he said, you go to the tree ready to fist fight. He said, I don't care what you got to do. You hunt to win. And I said, not me. I said, my word's more important than $100 from a little PKC hunt. And he didn't talk to me. Uh, we went back and I went my way, he went his way. It was about two weeks. And the, he'd call me on the phone and say, meet me at your car wash. We met up at the post car wash. And he said, well, he said, I was a little pissed uh, last time, he said, I'm gonna tell you something. He said, that word, Um, has gotten out he said i got people calling me from all over the place wanting to know who the heck is handling these dogs for me he said because anybody that's honest enough to scratch his own dogs he said they want you to handle their dogs he said so ignore what i told you he said you keep doing what you're doing and uh don't uh don't try to be like me and that's i always kind of kept that in the memory banks is if you if you do the right thing people take care of you
0: yeah that's that's for sure. And, you know, I, I, I try to be, be that way. I, I've recently sold some dogs and, you know, I get them to the people and, and wait, you know, a short period of time and call them and make sure they're, they're satisfied with them. And, you know, especially in selling a dog, you know, dogs do weird things. Um, you know, especially if they've been around you for a while and you sell them, they, they do weird things and, you know, maybe not hunt just right or, or, or whatever. And, always when i get a dog try to take some of that into consideration you know while while in the beginning stages of hunting one but yeah it's it's a dog it's a dog deal it's a it's a hunt and it's not worth ruining your your reputation over that's for sure that's true so um what uh what what other stories that you got that you could share with us uh this evening we're, we're we've been at it um recorder says about 45 minutes so we've probably been at it about 40 minutes or so um what i don't want to keep you too long and uh you don't have to share all your stories with us but uh, i mean the, the the one with with Irvin is to me just embodies coon hunting are you and him still hunting together y'all still talk regular
1: well we still talk real regular matter of fact this coming friday we're going catfishing together we're going to go uh i got a 18 foot uh, mud boat from south louisiana hunt and fish off it um, but we're gonna go out on the river and run uh, catfish noodles and see if we can't catch a cooler full
0: oh that's that's awesome i've uh definitely done that just just several miles south of you there on the chattahoochee river uh that's where you know I, i'm originally from In southeast alabama went to school right there on the chattahoochee river and uh, that's, that's a lot of fun for sure
1: well i'll tell i'll tell one more story so uh i was actually i was running a, a helicopter landing zone at fort bragg it was dark and i ended up standing next to a fella um big dude and i don't know we, it was dark out running this he was a captain from uh the brigade headquarters i was a lieutenant um down at battalion level and i'm running this uh, landing zone and we started talking and is the helicopter slow? It's got a little quieter. He was a South Carolina boy. Had gone to uh, West Point, played tight end at West Point. But he grew up running deer dogs. Yeah, it was some next thing we're talking deer dogs and coon dogs. He found out I coon hunted. I remember thinking, dog doggone, we gotta. I've got to get a new company commander. Mine was leaving. I didn't like the one I had. I was like, I'd love to have that guy as a company commander. Well, lo and behold, he became my company commander. His name was Doug Baker. He just a uh, good fella. Um, but we were out in the field. It was me, him, and our company first sergeant. I was the company executive officer, so I'm second in command. You got company commanders first in command and then the top enlisted. And they said, we ain't never coon hunted, and we want to go with you. And uh, I said, okay, we get out of the field, we'll go. So we picked a knight, and I was supposed to pick them up. And uh, it was going to be a twofer. I was going to take them coon hunting, and I had linked up on some private land south of post, about 45 minutes. Baker, Captain Baker, was a big-time deer hunter, and I was trying to hook him up. The guy that owned the land was a retired merchant marine, that he could hunt this land. So we're going to coon hunt, I'm going to let him meet the guy, and he's going to get some hunting property out of it. So I go to Baker's house, and uh, I'm a non-drinker. I don't like being around people that drink. Uh, I don't like this not my thing. So I get there and him and the first sergeant had been drinking liquor to enough where I could tell it. And I'm like, Dang they're about half crocked. So now it's like the ethical decision making my head, I was like, man, I work for this guy. I don't really want to be a tell him he can't go, but I really don't want to take them down there, especially with me trying to get him this hunting land. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I said, well, I'm going to take them. So I took them down there. Uh, the old man uh, had a, a special forces Staff sergeant or start first class that had hooked me up with that. He's down there, so we got four of us, five of us. And I had a young walker dog I was trying out. I don't, don't even remember the dog's name, but I turned mine out first and it went in a tree to possum. I got two possum stories. So we get in, and Paul uh, Thin tree possums in there. I'm like, dang, we're going from bad to worse. So I said, I'm gonna go up in the tree, knock the possum out. I busted off two clubs two pieces of pine limb. I gave one to Baker, one to the first sergeant. I said, when that possum hits the ground, one of y'all club it upside the head, and uh, I'm gonna do a little training with this dog to get it to leave possums alone. So I shimmied up that tree, knocked the possum out. When he hit the ground, instead of swinging down and hitting the possum, Captain Baker swings that club like a ball bat and cracked the first sergeant right across the shins. He hit him in the shins. The first sergeant, they're both about half drunk anyways. He rears back and smacks the captain with his club. And next thing you know, I got a full blown, no holds barred stick fight going on at the base of the tree and the possum done run off. And I was like, well, so much for getting him to hunt land. They're going to definitely not going to kick us off this property. So I get down the tree, break them up. and I'm going out, well, you man, I guess I, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't seem to mind. He liked, he ended up giving him uh, rights to hunt the property. You know, <laughs> But I said, that's the last time I take them to knuckleheads anywhere kind of made me, uh, kind of made me look bad.
0: Yeah. He probably didn't mind cause he was probably just as entertained as I just was.
1: <laughs> yeah. He was, uh, it didn't, uh, like I said, Baker ended up getting, uh, getting to hunt on the property and all that, but it was, yeah, it didn't turn out quite like I thought I didn't expect him to be down there at the bottom of the tree, beating each other with clubs while the possum ran off.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a, uh, that's a good story. And, uh, I look forward to uh, following you on Facebook and, and, and reading many more stories. I, I, I know we talked on the phone earlier today and uh, you can go over to Charles's Facebook page and, uh, and read it. There's one on there about a, a young kid and, in and the fireworks, <laughs> fireworks stand. <laughs> and that's boy, that, that brings back some memories for sure. But uh, uh, we, we've been at it not quite an hour. Uh, if you, have anything else to share? You can share it, or anybody you'd like to thank, uh, you can you can do now, and and we'll we'll try to land this thing here uh, in just a few minutes.
1: Hey, I appreciate you uh, contacting me, and you know, it's, one thing that's different, well, there's a few things different now with the coon hunt is we got the the electronics are quite a bit different. I used to use the old radio uh, tracking collars. Now we got the Garmin's. well so you know, the lights are much more advanced, but the Facebook. And the vi- different groups allows you to communicate with coon hunters all over the country um, that you couldn't before. You know, you to you read the coon hound bloodlines, you called a number in the back, and that's how it was. So since getting back into this, I mean, there's been some guys, some of them I haven't even met, some I have. Um, Kyle Borgstadt out in Missouri, uh, red dog man. He bred... Uh, Iceman dog I got. I've got real high hopes. Um, he's literally brother to his moon dog that he's been winning so many hunts with. But Kyle's been a, a big uh, help to me. Uh, Ricky Vickers up in Kentucky. Uh, he's been a, a real big help. Wade Coons, Um, There's a number of them that just you know they've been a wealth of genetics information and uh, helping out. But you know a number of these folks. Uh, Steve that runs the coon hunting or the conversation where you read the story at that's, you know, there's a couple of these outstanding, uh, Facebook pages that just, uh, it really helps you stay in touch with folks across the country. that are coon up. you know, that's how I met you.
0: Yeah, I agree. There is a, there's a lot of, a lot of good people out there. A lot of good people willing to help and, and social media has definitely uh, played a part in that. And, uh, we, we also use a, a social media app called go wild and there is a houndsman um, section in there. They don't have the groups. It's, it's, it's not, it's not Facebook. Uh, they wasn't trying to recreate Facebook, but they have a houndsman group in there. And some of the, some of the content and pictures showed in there, uh, and videos and stuff are, are really, really, really good. And, and then the groups in Facebook if you know, you can, if you wanna wanna know about English dogs or check out English dogs, there's a page on English dogs, black and tans, Walker dog. Yep. I mean, you name it, it's there. You if you if you want information, you can get it, and yeah, you'll have a few if you ask questions and you're trying to learn or whatever. You'll have a few people, you know, pop off at the mouth, but for the most part, people are there there to help. And those people, you just gotta ignore and move on.
1: I think one of the challenges, or one of the uh, things that we need to do, those of us that have some experience, I can't speak for black and tans and English and all that, because I hang out on the Redbone pages. Uh, they, I may be wrong, but I will bet you the black and tans are others. There's a, huge, or a significant population of these pet, show, rescue that have your breed of dog and they want to be the dominant voice on some of those pages. You gotta find a young coon hunter that gets on those pages and direct them to a page that's strictly hunting. Otherwise they get led astray quick. Um, so there's a few, I'm sure there are with the same with the black man. There's two or three of the redbone pages where it's just straight up hunting dogs, hunting people and good information. You know, you get a smart aleck every now and then, but for the most part, Um, they run them pretty good but some of those other ones if you see you know 10,000 members you gotta you know you're more likely to have a pet page um, with rescue people but they're going to be the self self self-declared experts and and gotta gotta kind of help police those and round up your coon hunters and get them in the right the right pages
0: yeah i agree with you there and that's another reason i like to go wild out they they kind of monitor that that stuff themselves and try to keep you know some of that some of that stuff out out of their um social media you know kind of keep some of the antis out of it and and, yep. and get people pointed in in the right direction and 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 you know they they don't allow they don't allow the that type of you know criticism and stuff like that to go on over there and that's that's one thing i really like about them and uh you know I, i've you know kind of started to try to post a lot of my my hunting pictures and videos and stuff over there i still do some on facebook and and uh instagram and stuff just because my wife and kids are there and you know i still do some stuff there but um i i I really the more i've used this go wild app the more i've liked it and there's more like-minded people over there it's you know people like me and you that that we're interested in hunting we're not interested in all that other stuff that's going on yep that's true well i uh I don't think we even scratched the surface just, and, and and we've not talked that much, but I don't even think we've scratched the surface here on, on stories. And I'd love to have you back in the future and we can, we can sit and tell some more and maybe you can give us an update on those, on those uh, red dogs that you've got, And uh, maybe we get some good feedback there on, on what they're doing and what they're winning. And uh, you know, we can, we can just catch back up at another time. We've been at it right at an hour now how far are you from the arkansas border i can be in arkansas in about 25 minutes my
1: kids live in fayetteville area of arkansas because that's where i was professor of military science so i head up there pretty regular too it wouldn't take much coaxing for me to take a dog up there and slip across the border and and do a hunt either you know around a thanksgiving christmas or one of these times i go up there
0: well you you uh you got my number you give me a call we're we're about two hours from fayetteville good so deal that's we, uh, that's we, doable we we can meet halfway at some government land or or something and we'll definitely take a hunt i would i would enjoy that
1: sounds like a plan
0: all right well thank you so much for taking your time to be on the coonhound collective podcast and we will catch up with you at another time huge thanks Uh uh-huh. thank you Thanks guys for listening to the Coonhound Collective podcast today. We really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen to the podcast. If you don't mind, head over to Facebook and give us a like, and head over to Instagram and give us a follow. It's both at The Coonhound Collective. Also, if you would like to reach us here at the Coonhound Collective, you can reach us at thecoonhoundcollective at gmail dot com. If there's someone that you would like to hear on the podcast or a product that you would like to hear talked about, please send it to Coonhound collective at gmail dot com. Thanks again Have a great day.